since we escaped the mansion and heard some Halloween tales. What have you been up to? Skulking about, no doubt. Up to no good, hmm? Christmas is a time to be celebrated with friends and family. A time for joy and hilarity. Laughing is good for the soul. I've heard screaming also does the trick. So be careful what tricks you play on your loved ones. They might just hand you back some terror in return. Sit down and listen. The Gift by Jordan Abernethy next open it it's probably a doll no it's not well not really go ahead Eric thanks Carter oh no way it's a BB gun just like mine well I guess that's it for the presents I have a present for you Eric uh, you got me a present? Yeah, it's right here. Um, thanks, Sadie. Feels kind of weird. Like it's wet or something. It has a lid, so you need to take the lid off. Ooh, it smells. It's full of rolled up smelly newspapers. What the hell is this? Ew, they're dead slugs. <laughs> Sadie, this is a terrible gift. Sadie, what is wrong with you? I thought you would like it. You thought that I would like dead slugs? Sadie, go up to your room and think about what you've done. Christmas is one month away. How would you like it if Santa filled your stocking full of dead slugs? That psycho would probably like it. Eric, that's enough. She is a psycho, Mom. Everyone at school thinks so. I'm embarrassed to be her brother. I hate my family. Whatever, psycho Sadie. Hmm. Well, I think that ends the party. Why don't you guys go outside and we'll clean up here? All right. Come on, Eric. All right. Eric, that was so funny. 
The look on your face when the dead slug fell onto the floor. Yeah, how does your sister even think of this stuff? <sighs> I don't know. Do you think she realized what she's done? It seems like she was surprised by your reaction. I mean, I really think she thought you would like it. Maybe she thought they wouldn't die. And they would be your pets or something. Guys, I don't really want to talk about this anymore. Just forget her. You think that's bad? Christmas is less than a month away. I wonder what she's going to get you for Christmas. <laughs> What's grosser than dead slugs? Human body parts? Okay, guys, can we change the subject? Hey, you have something there, Paul. What do you mean? Eric, we should dig up a body part from the old North Shore Cemetery. And you could wrap it up and give it to your sister for Christmas. Carter, what are you talking about? Getting back at your sister. I don't need to get back at my sister. You don't? So, you're just going to let her get away with that? What do you think, Paul? All I know is that I wouldn't let my sister get away with that. You don't have a sister. Eric, she made you look like a fool in front of your friends. No, I, I'm not digging up a dead body and sticking it under my tree. No, not the whole body. Just like a hand or something. Yeah, we could go on Christmas Eve and dig one up. Everyone will be in church. I'll tell you what. Paul and I will dig it up and we'll drop it off to you on Christmas Eve. All you have to do is wrap it up and stick it under your tree. You guys are sick. Come on, Eric. I will get into so much trouble. Don't worry. If your parents kick you out, you can always come live with me. My parents like you. Fine. Yes. Yes. Does anybody want more eggnog? No, no thanks. thanks. Mom and Dad, can we open a present tonight? No. We tried that last year and then you two started fighting over who gets to open what. I don't want anything to ruin Christmas this year. Deal? Okay. Eric, it's your friend Paul. Paul? Doesn't he have somewhere to be on Christmas Eve? Um, he's probably just coming by to wish us a Merry Christmas. Hey, Paul! We did it. We have it here, in this ooh, wooden box. A hand. Why are you out of breath? Where's Carter? I thought you guys were doing this together. Someone saw us and we got chased and... I think it was the caretaker or something. He was really creepy. Carter and I had to split up. I gotta go. Okay, thanks, Paul. Uh, Merry Christmas! Yeah, he just came by to wish us Merry Christmas. Hey, I'll be down in a bit. I just remembered I have one more present to wrap. Ooh. Ugh, oh god. It still has rotten flesh and maggots all over it. Ugh. Well, no turning back now. 
I'll wrap you and stick you under the tree. This should be the best Christmas ever. Probably a tree branch or a squirrel. Get out of my room. Get out to bed. Okay. And close the door. Okay. Great. Now I would be able to get back to sleep. Thanks, Sadie. and she won't stop. I am not. I was asleep, and now I will never get back to sleep. Well, now I will never get back to sleep either, thanks to you. Hey, what's happening? What do you think? A typical Christmas. Why don't we just open presents now? We're all awake. <sighs> Fine, let's go. Then we can all go back to sleep. Well, that leaves only two presents. Sadie's present for Eric and Eric's present for Sadie. Who's going first? Here, Eric. Open mine first. There are small holes in the box. Sadie, this had better not be more slugs. Just open it. Oh, wow. It's a hunting knife. I heard you speaking to Carter that you wanted one. I felt bad about the slug, so I wanted to get you something good. But I thought it would be funny if I put breathing holes in it. Yeah, that is kind of funny. How did you afford this? I collected cans and stuff. Okay, Sadie. Now open Eric's. Oh, crap. Uh, wait. I love it! 
you love it? Oh my god, Eric! It's a decomposed hand! What is wrong with you kids? Sadie, give me that. Eric, give me the hunting knife. You know, one of these years, I just want to have a normal Christmas, like a normal family. Obviously not this year. Well, Merry fucking Christmas to you all. Practical jokes aside, do not try this at home. A spectral visitor is always fun, unless it stabs your father and starts looking at you next. <laughs> well, I have one more for you today. And then you can lay your head down to sleep and wish for Christmas morning. Or maybe you won't after this tale. Ho ho, hold your breath. Sit back and try not to scream. I still haven't got all the things back in their cages since we came back. So be careful. Bloody Santa by Paul Stevenson Crisp snowflakes fell all around, big enough to see their intricate patterns as they tumbled lazily from pale clouds above. Children played in the streets, throwing snowballs, tugging plastic sledges behind them on brightly coloured twine. Couples snuggled up to one another, encased in so much fleece their core temperatures must be near fever. Ted sat and watched it all inside his white van, a hundred postcards playing out before him. The smell of mulled wine coming through his van's knackered heating vents as he rubbed his hands together and waited for them all to go to bed. The evening turned to night and still Ted watched. The crowds moved into houses shining bright with lights, the yellow glow of safety beaming out from the windows. Upstairs lights went on, then off. Downstairs lights stayed on and every now and then a well-dressed man would pop open the front door setting out a saucer of milk, a mince pie, and a small glass of sherry before casting a furtive glance around him before heading back inside. The lights went out, and still, Ted waited. He waited for the night to take on its still calm, waited until the only sound was the snow falling softly on the windshield in front of him. Then, Ted got to work. Two hours later, Ted's van was piled high with presents. He didn't know what was in them, but that was the joy of Christmas morning, wasn't it? Opening the presents to see what you've got. Definitely a few consoles in there. A few kitchen things. Jewelry, if he was lucky. Given all the accumulated wealth all around him in the little town of Chester Borough, he was bound to have struck it lucky. 
Of course, there'd be a load of crap too. He still had piles of slippers in the wrong size for him and Millie from Christmas's past. She always moaned when there wasn't anything nice. She didn't get the concept of the whole thing. You got what you got. He couldn't scope out houses for months in advance trying to find a woman who'd be the same size as her. But this time he'd found a little box on the tree of the second house. Beautiful ring inside. She'd definitely be happy with that one. He might even get down on one knee to give it to her. He hoped someone had gotten the Game of Thrones box set. He bought a dodgy copy from some guy in the pub, but it was all in Hungarian, so he'd thrown it out. His mate Phil told him he could use one of his laptops to download them, but he didn't understand that nonsense. One more house ought to do it, he reckoned. Didn't want to push his luck. One kid wakes up early and discovers the presents aren't under the tree like they're supposed to be, and they'd have cops out scouring the streets for him. Didn't want that. Not a nice way to spend Christmas Day, in the cells, even if it got him out of Millie's dreadful dinner. Then there'd be all the judging. How could you, they'd ask. Ruining people's Christmases. What a crock of shit. A stupid day for people to spoil their kids rotten. He never got presents as a kid. His dad hated all that. So they'd get a stocking and that was it. He wouldn't even let them watch the good tally. He made up for it now. The few families who never went without anything had to go without for one year. Well, they'd appreciate it more next year. Last year, one of them had been on the telly moaning and said the whole street banded together and had a lovely day regardless. They wouldn't let a burglar ruin their Christmas. Good for them. Who was next? Chesterborough was a kind of place where nothing bad ever happened. But a lot of people still had top-notch security systems. But not all of them. Ideally, he wanted somewhere with a cat. Since they'd have no motion alarms. He spied a cat flap and parked up outside. The house was a big white one. A sleek white German car sat in the driveway. Its paint whiter than the snow settling on its roof. Perfect. Old wooden frames on the windows. Pop them, no problem. Pick out the choicest presents. Put them through the open window onto the front yard and carry them to the van. The front was even enclosed by well-tended bushes. Just needed to back up into the garden and park on the driveway. He checked for CCTV. Nothing. Not even the fake ones you sometimes see bolted to the fronts of houses with no wires coming out of them. The window popped as easily as he'd hoped although the wood made more noise than he'd have liked as he lifted it. He listened for any responding sound within the house, but all was quiet. A tabby cat slept on top of the sofa. It raised a bored ear towards him and went back to sleep. He peered through the window, checking it looked quiet. Normal looking room, white walls, shit art, big tree, lots of presents. Lifting a foot through, he put it down on the carpet, which squelched underfoot. Weird. He pulled himself in properly and stood up straight. It was cold, icy, and wrong. He'd stepped into another world. Everything was as it seemed before, except rotten. The cat was grim, diseased. Perched atop a sofa, pulled apart, stuffing poking out through holes and torn fabric, tinged with green and browns. Carpet sodden and brown, filthy-looking water. Television smashed, 
the glass from its front tinged with blood, walls splashed with grim marks, and a crude wet taste hit the back of his throat. He turned back to the window, but it wasn't the window he'd climbed in through. This window was boarded up, rusted nails sticking haphazardly out of its extremities. The manky cat hissed, wandering down through a hole in the sofa, out through the tattered bottom, paws thick with murk as it moved to the tree. Tree? It never much liked Christmas trees. Weird idea, sticking a tree in your living room. When he'd peered through the window before, he'd not paid much attention to the giant gleaming expanse of green, dripping decorative reds and gold, but he was pretty sure it didn't look like this. There were no leaves on this tree, and the branches remaining looked like haphazard steel spikes, sharpened to an almost impossible degree. At the base, the pile of presents looked decayed and soft, like bruised and mouldy fruit. What the hell was going on? Good evening, a voice called, rasping like an engine with a bolt rattling around it. He whirled around. A man stood in front of the sofa. Well, he said man. It was hard to tell. Emaciated to the point of revulsion, skin covered in sores and welts, its face was covered in a thin wisp of matted white hair, eyes sat sunken in its skull, and the hat, brown like coppery blood, sat on his head like gauze absorbed into a wound. The rest of the uniform hung in tatters, revealing the decay of the body below. Ted stepped back, until the arms of the dead tree poked into his back. The hell is going on? He asked. Was this some kind of prank? Hidden camera show? Fought the impulse to pull out his phone to call the police. Well, Ted, the ghoul replied, a smile stretching the tendons in his jaw to breaking point. You've been a naughty boy, haven't you? This is mad, Ted said, trying to back up again. One of the branches dug in deep. Sharp pain spasmed across his back, and he winced. I'd be careful if I were you. They tend to go for the kidneys. Who are you? I think you know, don't you, Ted? No, mate, not buying that. Who are you, really? The man thing laughed, <laughs> the sound rattling around again. It sounded about as healthy as he looked. At the sudden noise, Ted looked up at the ceiling instinctively, waiting for the telltale sign of someone getting out of bed. He wished he hadn't. The whole thing crawled with spiders and bugs. He swallowed, turning his gaze back to the horrible thing before him. It considered him, with grinning more. Listen, I'm sorry, okay? There's been a mix-up. I'll be going, okay? You can go, the thing said, once I lay you. Ted ran to the window, pulling at the wooden slats. Shards of wood dug into his fingers and palms. He pulled them away, but they were splintered into his flesh leaving gouges of deep red. Please, Ted said. I'm sorry. You are, aren't you? A sorry mess of a human being. You know, I've followed your progress all these years. Never going to amount to much. And you failed to hit even that low bar. Stealing presents from children. How low can you go? Who are you? Ted asked again, but it came out more as a howl. You already know the answer, the thing replied, grin doubling. 
I don't care what you say, Ted shouted, hands balled at his side, blood dripping in cold, wet blobs. You're not bloody Santa. Upstairs, a thud, then a scraping sound, and a low, unearthly moan. Something moved upstairs, and it wasn't human. Now you've done it. You've woken it up. Woken what up? I can't wait for you to see it. The grin widened once more to ludicrous degree, revealing decaying gums slick with green. Please, let me go. Why should we, Ted? I've made a list. Checked it twice. Guess what I found? I'm naughty, Ted said. He fought the urge to curl up in a ball and cry. He wanted his mum. All the while, his trainers sunk into the murk. I've been naughty. I'm sorry. I really am. These people have worked all year to pay for this stuff, Ted. This house. A dentist. Saves thousands from tooth decay. He's made people happy, Ted. His kids, Ted. They're good kids. The house before? Care assistant. Wipes the asses of people less fortunate than herself. Saved up for months for the toys in your van. I'm sorry. Ted replied, tears streaming down his face, racking ugly sobs gripped him, snot dripping from his nose like a faucet. I am. I'll put everything back, okay? I promise. The thing smiled. You'd better. Or you know what's going to happen to you. Ted had no idea, but he didn't want to find out either. He nodded vociferously. It's not flying off in little flecks. Very well, the spectre said, and clicked his fingers. Ted was back in the normal living room. Normal tree. Normal cat. Normal presence. Normal carpet. No psychotic fairy tales. He sighed, wiping the various types of wet from his face with his sleeve. He could still feel the cuts on his back. The wooden splinters were gone, but the cuts remained. All was quiet at the Chester Borough Police Station when a bedraggled man walked through the front entrance. Hands covered in bandages, his clothes were filthy, and he looked about as pale as anyone Desk Sergeant Wood had ever seen. Can I help you? He asked placing the snow globe he'd been idly turning over in his hands down on the desk and leaning forward in his chair. I'm turning myself in, the man mumbled. Burglary. There's a van full of stolen presents out there. I tried to put them back, but I couldn't work out which ones went in each house. I can tell you the addresses. Maybe get them down there to sort it out themselves. Right, <laughs> Wood said, chuckling. Sounds like you've had a busy night. Let's get you booked in, eh? Ted sat down on a thin blue mattress and let out a sigh of relief. It was done. He'd done everything he could. Turned himself over to the police. Better to get dinner here and avoid the shouting match about why he hadn't gotten Millie any presents. 
His hands were shaking. What a night. It took him a moment to notice the mould growing on the inside of the door, or the way the floor turned to a spongy red mess. It wasn't until the light fixture filled with a dark red substance, throwing the room into a sickly red, that he realised what was happening. No! He said, getting up off the mattress as it turned to a flower bed of dead flowers and moulding vegetables. I'm afraid so, the ghoul said, appearing beside him from nowhere. But I gave everything back, Ted said, pleading. He turned to the door. Help! Help! They can't hear you, Santa said. Behind Ted, the scraping sound came again, the snort of some unholy beast. Ted could feel the thing's breath on his neck. I gave it back. Not all of it. Ted closed his eyes. He kept one thing. One tiny little box. People would think it got lost in the van. Surely. Only one box. The Santa thing lent in. Better watch out. Better not cry. I'm sorry. Ted begged. Horn pierced Ted's back between the shoulder blades, driving him forward. It travelled through his back, shattered his spine, bursting his lungs, crashing through the ribcage of what was by now already Ted's corpse. A little time later, Sergeant Wood opened the door to the cell. The scene he found before him was unimaginable. Blood sprayed over white walls, pooling amidst the detritus of the ruined carcass sprawled on the floor its glassy dead eyes staring up at him in panic. He sighed, pulled out his radio and pushed the button. Bill, you better bring them up. Bloody Santa's been at it again. The Night's End Christmas Special 2021 was brought to you by Dissonance Media. The Gift was written by Jordan Abernethy. To connect with Jordan, please head over to facebook.com forward slash jabernethy1. Dad was played by Mike Ricard. Mum was played by Zoe Ricard. Sadie was played by Evie Ricard. Eric was played by Andy Conduit Turner. Carter and the Corpse were played by James Barnett. Paul was played by Eric Carrier. Links to all these wonderful voice actors' projects are in the description. Please check them out. Bloody Santa was written by Paul Stevenson. Paul Stevenson writes Pulp Fiction for the Digital Age. His first series, The Apocalyptic Blood on the Motorway Trilogy, has been an Amazon bestseller on both sides of the Atlantic. 
and his work has been featured on the chart-topping horror podcast, The Other Stories. His new series, The Sunset Chronicles, is a dystopian sci-fi thriller that will delight and terrify fans of science fiction and horror alike. He lives in England with his wife, two children, and one hellhound. You can find all of his books at paulstevensonbooks.com. This episode was narrated by James Barnett. This episode was produced and edited by James Barnett. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a rate and a review. Stay tuned for our next limited season, The Dark Heart. Five episodes of dark Australian fiction that will keep you on the edge of your seat. And as always, stay horrific, everyone.